1: which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches Podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone.
3: You learn so
4: many different things from so many different coaches.
1: That's an elite learning environment.
3: Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient.
5: How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to get
1: more
3: than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader.
1: My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. We started this podcast because we wanted to have better conversations with our families around the dinner table. In a social media world where the goal is often to be the star of the show, we wanted to change the conversation talk more about selflessness, leadership and responsibility. And the people we knew who best exhibited these qualities were great sports coaches. As the podcast has grown, the great coaches we have interviewed have shared so much insight and wisdom that we decided to create episodes dedicated entirely to the lessons that have resonated with us the most. Today's episode is on the topic of self-doubt, and it features audio quotes from a wide selection of men and women from around the world.
6: The lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. In
1: 1978, my parents moved us from England to Australia in search of a better life. Since then, I've moved with my own family to four different countries over 16 years. Each move is exciting, but at the same time, there is always a sense of doubt, wondering if you are doing the right thing. I was recently talking to my mother about her decision to move all those years ago. And she said that the only time she remembered having any doubt was when the paper confirming her visa arrived. And what helped her work through that was the very positive reaction from her friends when she told them that she was moving to Australia. This got me wondering about self-doubt and what the great coaches had to say about it. So I searched back through the interviews and found advice ranging from self-talk diaries to mantras and visualisations – And after listening to them, what struck me was how normalising self-doubt and building routines to deal with it is the key way to managing it so that it doesn't derail your performance. I loved putting this episode together. I found it challenging and informative, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. The starting point on my exploration of self-doubt is the legendary coach Rick Charlesworth. Rick has won Olympic gold medals and coached at the elite level in three different sports, He is also a medical doctor, and so his views are always balanced between the art of people leadership and the science of human care. And he believes that doubt is a good thing, and is actually the foundation of all knowledge.
6: Doubt is good. Doubt's normal. Doubt's as it should be. If you think you know the answers, then you're probably tricking yourself or kidding yourself, and you may be wrong. And so doubt is, if you like, the the foundation of all knowledge. It's it makes us curious. We wonder about whether or not we've got it right. We explore our motivations. We look at uh, our solutions and we, we try to uh, develop ways of doing things that are foolproof. So doubt's a good thing and, and we all have it. I mean, I remember listening to Roger Federer when he was undoubtedly the best tennis player in the world before the Australian Open. It would have been more than a decade ago. And he was saying, I don't know how I'm going to go in the final. I'm going to be very hot. I don't know whether my preparation's been good enough. My forehand's not going as well as I... And, and here's this guy, and he won the final the, the next day, preparing himself for the... But he's, he's got... Everybody's got them. The best player in the world has them, but uh, the, those apprehensions are also one of the things that fires you to compete.
1: Danny Kerry coached the England women's hockey team to an Olympic gold medal, and he emphasised the fact that helping athletes with their self-doubt, or as he referred to them as their limiting beliefs, was a key part of the head coach role, and in fact was the basis of some of the most important conversations he has had with athletes.
7: This is an underreported or not emphasised enough aspect of the role of a coach, I think, the norm is that people have not been to these heady places. It's not normal for people to, to have been let go to Olympics, let alone medal Olympics. And so, working against people's sort of limiting beliefs about what they're capable of is quite a key part of our, our role. Now, some athletes come jam-packed with belief that they can do it. But my experience in the UK, anyway, is that's not the norm. The norm is full of self-doubt. First of all, normalizing that self-doubt and, and almost talking to the fact that probably the majority of gold medalists at Olympic level have all been in the same place and normalizing it, exploring with the athletes where their self-limiting beliefs have come from and whether they're actually based in fact, and often they're not, and then often sort of looking at some of those athletes' role models and maybe perhaps exploring some of their lives and where they've come from and what they've worked with and against over time and how they've achieved through essentially faith so sort of breaking down with the athlete why they think they work the way they do is it based in fact looking at examples or almost any example in high performance sport where people have sort of had to struggle and often that struggles with their own self-doubts and therefore normalizing in the life of an athlete and that's the root of the conversations and where they tend to sit. Again, we have good psychologists working with our program, but often as a head coach, you know, some of the most important conversations I have with athletes are around some of their self-limiting beliefs.
1: Head coaches have the ability to deal with doubt and anxiety in a way that others perhaps don't. And this is one of the most important attributes they possess. And in retrospect, I think it's why I also find them such interesting leaders to study. Here is Neil Craig, another coach who has worked at the elite level across three different sports, talking about the ability of elite level coaches to handle self-doubt.
7: Because, uh, you know, people think that these coaches, they get into these roles that they're bulletproof, that they don't have self-doubt, that they don't get anxious, they don't have fears. Well, they do. They actually do. Um, And it's part of the job. But they have a capacity to, uh, to still function under those sort of pressures.
1: When it comes to dealing with the self-doubt of the people you are leading, a good place to start is by acknowledging what they are feeling and exploring it with the person, not trying to dismiss it or downplay it. Here is World Cup winning cricket coach Mark Robinson explaining his views on using this approach.
8: It's about you trying to help mould an environment and use your resources your other staff to try and give confidence and belief. I think I, I, I learned something really, really important on those of the girls as well. I've got a great line, don't deny them their negativity, which, which would be the opposite way sometimes I would naturally look. And that taught me a lot. Actually, sometimes by being empathetic. So my natural approach would be it wasn't that bad. You didn't bowl that badly. You've got two wickets. You might have been more expensive one, but it wasn't that too bad. I'd be on that positive approach. Well, I learned actually that's not always helpful, especially to some personality traits. And actually by denying them their negativity, you were causing more problems. Well, what I needed to be doing there was not arguing against their reality. Okay, so you felt that. What are we are going to do to make it better the next day? And move them on that way, as opposed to almost having this
1: argument about how bad it was. So that taught me a lot. As you listen to the person, you can help by reminding them of the context around their performance and where they are on the journey towards their goal. This was something that Gareth Baber, who coached Fiji to the Olympic gold medal in Rugby Sevens, discussed with us.
3: The first year was difficult, but I was also objective about that. And I think that one of the biggest things that you probably take from that in terms of the self-doubt is... Again, I've come back to probably that I talked about earlier, which was perspective, the maturity of personality, the understanding of your journey and where you might be in that and what you're developing and learning, not solely fixated and obsessed with every single kick and pass and drop of a ball, that you're able to create some perspective and objectivity around that and be able to then relate that to the players with a consistency. And you do play different roles in different contexts as the leader of that from when a mentor to a motivator to a teacher to a a psychologist. And in all that, you're sort of seeing what each individual needs, but ultimately remaining consistent yourself with your delivery, your personality, your characteristics, because ultimately you've got to give that relationship, which is to me the bit that gets that player to the point where he is able to become self-aware and produce his potential, then there's the test and the challenge of you and your characters as a leader.
1: Keeping the context in perspective was also something Pokey Chapman, who has coached championship basketball teams in America and Russia, spoke about. She couched it in terms of doing a self-scout on yourself to measure what you might be feeling against the feedback that you have been given.
4: You have to do a self-scout on yourself in terms of your expertise in the game, where can I get, I mean, an authentic, real, true, deep dive into that. And then once you do that and you measure it against what feedback you got, I think that makes you, uh, it makes it easier to deal with, whether it's beneficial or not, just the exercise of that is going to make you feel like, okay, this is what I can do. And you're always going to find something, right, that you can do better. I mean, hell, sometimes you might make it up just so you know you're working on it. But then there's sometimes where you're going to be, I can put my head on my pillow at night. I did what you asked me to do to the best of my ability, involved everyone. And it's not about being callous or pushing to the side. It's about being at peace.
1: Hugh McCutcheon has coached volleyball teams to gold and silver Olympic medals. And he talked about helping people deal with their self doubt by working with them to reframe their words. Here he gives an example of how he works with the words right and wrong.
9: I think more than ever in, in our world of comparison that, that everybody chooses to engage in, the narrative is inside your head is is more important than ever. So first and foremost, we understand that most of these athletes have bought into this false narrative that that somehow anything less than perfection is not worth celebrating. And and even when they win the race or the medal or whatever, but if they did something wrong, then somehow there's required moment of self-flagellation or whatever we're going to call it. So getting them to understand the importance of celebrating their successes and allowing maybe the coaches to bring to attention some of their inefficiencies is, is a good place to start. But also, just that very word right there. We, we don't talk about right or wrong in our gym. We talk about effective and efficient methods where efficient is connected to biomechanical efficiency, which lends to repeatability and all kinds of things, right? But, but just that idea of like, hey, can we just see outcomes, for example, as outcomes and not assign an emotion to it or a value to it, but just see it as information and understand that that probably allows better learning and and more importantly, more effective learning. Whereas if you get into that whole cycle of I'm frustrated, well, yeah, I mean, don't get angry, get better, right? I mean, when you're frustrated, you're not in a rational space. You're not able to take information and process it and make changes. You're just pissed. So that's the deal, right? Can you you get off of the rather self-indulgent thing of like, kind of, hey, I'm so angry because I'm not getting it and it's no, okay, yeah, change is hard. So just accept that, lean into it and just choose to see it for what it is. Grass is green, sky is blue, you did this and we want you to do that. Simple. Well, simple to say.
2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Language, either spoken out loud or to yourself, plays an important role in dealing with self-doubt. Basketball coach Brenda Kirkpatrick-Brown builds on the ideas from Hugh by talking about the use of positive language, but with the caveat that it must be authentic or else it can sound and feel like cheerleading.
4: The more you internalize something or hear it, whether you're saying it to yourself or you're internalizing something that someone is saying to you, you believe it. Sometimes you have to guard against that, because if you're constantly hearing negativity, you have to have a filter there. But we try to talk positively to our kids, and I do think there are, there's certainly, pointing to one person would be difficult, but... Sometimes, I don't know if you've heard coaches say that coaches believe in their athletes more than their athletes believe in themselves. And so we want to constantly be building them up and use language that's positive. Now, you don't want to blow smoke, as we say. You don't want to fluff up or flatter because people can see through flattery. They know when you're not telling the truth. And so this person has to be able to to back that up in terms of their work ethic and what they're bringing to the table. Not perfectly, but there has to be some substance there.
1: Sue Enquist is one of the most amazing people we have interviewed on the podcast. Her hard-won insights on leadership, and in particular, dealing with your own inner voice, are universal, inspiring, and pragmatic. Here, she talks about the way we choose to answer our own inner voice being the key to the way we deal with self-doubt.
5: Well, first let me define it so everyone can really understand. This is from a scientific background, right? This is scientific evidence that we know that the conscious brain is just a tape recorder of our thoughts. We also know that thoughts that enter from the subconscious, we can't control. We can't control those. Those thoughts come to the forefront, unannounced, sometimes uninvited. And that's what I call that weak voice. That weak voice is the one that has the doubt. The weak voice is the one that says, play it safe. The weak voice is the one that says, you're not good enough. So, I've had to deal with that weak voice that you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, your learning agility isn't where it needs to be. And then I learned, and science tells us this what we actively do to answer that weak voice is the secret sauce. If we allow the thoughts to come in and to pound us down, and we don't answer every thought, with an affirmation, a true fact, evidence that you're capable of doing it, or evidence that you're ready to leap, you will find yourself dying inside and losing your enthusiasm and your optimism. And I call it being a stubborn optimist. The stubborn part says, good stubborn says, I'm not going to give in to that weak voice. Good Stubborn says, I do see all the work you did Monday through Friday, that inventory that allows you to cross over that bridge to say, I'm ready in this moment. And to me, everything emanates from those two voices in your head and the awareness of when you're in your weak or your strong voice, because the awareness allows you to answer the call of that weak voice because we don't have to worry about when the thoughts are coming in just warm and fuzzy. It's like, man, hang on and yell yippee because all, all is good in your brain. But today because of the instability, because of all the uncertainty, doubt seeps in and it's winning the conversation and you're constantly having over 60,000 thoughts a day. So this conversation is going on and who's winning the conversation. Who's getting the last word. May your strong voice always get the last word. And I often tell people, Would you ever date your inner voice? And this idea, would I ever date my inner voice? Woo! That helps build awareness around your strong and your weak voice. Anthony
1: McGrath played cricket for England and now has won the English County Championship as a coach. He takes Sue's views one step further by explaining how he uses a self-talk diary to change his inner dialogue and raise his level of self-awareness.
8: I think I started making a diary probably halfway through my career and it was amazing how many negative thoughts I had as a, as a batsman until I started writing things down and thinking, geez, this is, this is terrible. I'm just thinking subconsciously so many negative things. So there's a couple of players at Essex that we introduced that kind of thing to. And again, that's really helped them develop that decision-making, the self-awareness, how I feel in certain situations. So something like a a self-talk diary can help.
1: When it comes to reflecting on self-doubt though, there is a word of caution from soccer coach Lisa Fallon, who explains that you need to guard against overthinking.
8: So in terms of my inner critic, I I am self-critical. I do that. and I, But I'm also, I always try to put context on critiquing. So I always try to, qualified so that I don't overthink I used to overthink a lot and that can inhibit because then you start to think of the what ifs what you stop being in the present which is where you need to be you start thinking about things that may or may not happen and and you're like it takes your focus then away from where you need to be
1: there have been other coaches though who have gone beyond the use of words to deal with self-doubt and talked about action as a means to deal with what you are feeling. Andy King is a surf coach who, amongst many athletes, has coached world champion Mick Fanning. Here, he talks about the use of movement and activity to get rid of the doubt that you may be experiencing.
3: So I believe if you've got that inner critical, there's something in there going. You don't meditate and try and get rid of it through breath. You get rid of it and channel it through through action. I'm fascinated for for more on the other part. Like, if you've got that inner critic and it it creates that tension or anxiety in these, these words that you hear, I'm more fascinated from, again, like when you talk about the animal world, it's like if a deer something gets hit by a lion... They don't sit there and stew over it. Like you watch them, they'll twitch and shake it off and they'll go back and feed on that same field. So there's just there's an expansion of energy that has to get out when those feelings are there. So instead of sitting in them and trying to figure it out for breath, I'm more curious about them doing something active.
1: Visualisation can also help, especially if you take the time to reflect on some of the achievements you have behind you. In fact, some of the coaches have talked to us about helping their athletes put together summaries of their greatest hits to help them when their confidence slips and doubt arises. David Parkin is an Australian rules football coach and academic, and this was one of the things that he talked to us about. So reminding yourself, and I guess we say, well, how do you get the first good performance? Well, that's the problem. Uh, we can use visualisation, Paul, if we've got something to visualise. But at an AFL level, with, with Nixie at the moment, for instance, he has produced some wonderful performances which he could visualise. And it doesn't have to be on tape, but he can think about the confidence that we all get by what we've done in the past certainly helps us with future difficulties and mountains to climb and problems to solve and all that sort of stuff. I find coaches in combat sports like boxing fascinating. They are able to help their athletes build the confidence and technical skills necessary to step into an environment where they can be physically and emotionally hurt, if not scarred. One of the themes they talk about when it comes to dealing with self-doubt is the power of routines, especially when it comes to pre-fight and the walk to the ring. Here is German national team boxing coach, Eddie Bolger.
3: Look, it's different for different people, uh, different athletes. At at this stage, the the level that we're working with now is elite level. And they've really made that walk a lot. They've made that walk to the ring many, many times. And the thing we tried to do is instill a process, a good process that we've done all the time, you know, and they tried to repeat this good process that has worked for him before. And this gives them a little bit of focus. Uh, They warm up at a special time. Each individual might have a little bit. It might be one minute. It might be five minutes in the difference. But you try to instill this process. And the regularity of this brings calms and brings brings a sense of uh, normality.
1: Olaf Langer is a basketball coach who has worked in Europe and America. And he builds on this idea of rituals as a way of dealing with self-doubt?
10: I learned that ignoring it is not helping it. Uh, Not expressing it is not helping it at some point. There has to be an initial phase where you, as an athlete, admit the fact that you have it. I think a lot of people have it, but they're never it's an undercurrent in, in their day-to-day business, but they, they don't, they don't admit it. I think looking at it, admitting it is the first step to go beyond it. So I think, and in some cases, even writing it out and then burning the paper or throwing it out of the window or ripping it up. I think there has to be some kind of ritual to it. um, uh, Whether that is physical or mental that really helps. The second thing is then you have to, work at your craft and then realize what you're doing well rather than what you're doing wrong. I think we helped this process with specific video sessions we had and uh, specific focuses we had because I think that the German, German, for sure, the German nature, that was a Freud, uh, the German nature, but the, the human nature is always to look more for the negative or for what's wrong rather than for what's right. And I think a shift in perspective uh, aided with, uh, especially nowadays, where we have technology way more available And what the player does well and also have other players, teammates, telling them what they do well, really kickstart the process. And then eventually it's just um, learning to stay in the moment. I think that's a big one, Um, especially when it comes to competition Um, staying in the moment and seeing what's right in front of you rather than thinking about what may or may not be going on.
1: Another way to preempt any sense of self-doubt is to work through the different scenarios that might await you and plan for how you might respond. Here is gold medal-winning rugby sevens coach Ben Ryan. So
7: I had absolutely no doubt we were going to win Olympic gold medal and that might sound like I'm being a bit cocky, but it was based on competencies and knowing that everything was in our control and we'd gone through so many different scenarios of what ifs and what could happen and felt still felt like we had a robust enough group to deal with whatever got thrown us.
1: As a leader, one of your fundamental roles will be to help people with their doubt. And as basketball coach Felicia Legette-Jack points out, In order to do this, you must stay focused on the fact that your certainty will need to be greater than that of the athlete.
11: So I I think young women have it worse than most because I think that we're pretty smart. I think that we're pretty compassionate. I think that we, we are undervalued and therefore we undervalue ourselves. And what I think is uh, the most valued thing I can bring as a coach is to share with all of the, the whole kid, the broken kid, the the lost kid is the ability to look in their eyes and let them know I see them and that they matter. And from there, we'll figure out the rest of it. And I got a quote here that I keep next to me. It said, my certainty, it must be greater than everyone's doubts. And that's very important for young people because there's so much doubt in young women that if you share with them that they are the best ever, I see them, you're madder, They fly and they flourish. And, and I, I just really enjoy the fact that I look back at all my players that I ever coached that I think one kid has lost her way. And I mean, I'm talking about all the way back to Hofstra. And so that's what I value the most is the fact that I can help people find and feel their value. Even on days I feel broken. And
1: with the need for you as the leader to portray such certainty, it's important that you surround yourself with people who can help sustain you when your own self-belief might start to falter. Here is world champion lawn bowls coach, Steve Glasson talking about how he deals with this
10: it's having those deep conversations. And sometimes it might not be actual game. That seems, it might be something outside. It could be, God forbid, it's a marriage or work or something like that that has influenced some negative thinking. I mean, I go through it myself. I question what I do regularly. And these guys instill confidence in me as well. So it's a big circle, really. If that deteriorates, well, then you basically go back to the drawing board and start again and work out what does work and what doesn't work. And we'll all make mistakes. And as you so correctly said, I've been fortunate. I've had great highs and I've had disappointments through my career. But I think that's all an entree to doing this job that I can relate to that and understand that it's not perfect, that the world's not perfect, what we do is not perfect. We haven't got perfect staff or coaches or players and that's a wonderful challenge and I think trying to get the best out of individuals and understanding that we've all got a role to play in this and sharing it is really important.
1: However, while doubt is a natural phenomena, as a leader, you must be on the watch out for when this develops into a situation where the individual begins to lower the expectations they have on themselves. Here is baseball coach John Diebel explaining this.
8: I think everyone, I think we all at some point in our life have self-doubt. And I think that separates the good ones from the great ones. And again, the communication for me is what I've always gone back to when I think you have a problem with somebody's when you expect more out of them than they expect out of themselves. And that's part of life and, and that happens a lot. But to me, I always, my default's always communication. It's sit down, it's talk and be open and get them to be open too. You find a lot about people by sitting down and talking.
1: For the last word on dealing with self-doubt, I have chosen Dwayne Nestor, a rugby union coach from Australia. Dwayne was the second interview we ever released and he said something at the time that has always stayed with me. He said, I look at self-confidence like a suit of armor. It's a wonderful image that cuts right through the overthinking that many great coaches talk about.
9: You've you've mentioned self-doubt a couple of times uh, today. What are your top tips in dealing with self-doubt? I oh go I go back to that. Do the work, like
7: really do the work, because doing the work builds the confidence and. I look at self-confidence as it's like a it's like a suit of armor like a chainmail armor you know when you start putting that chainmail together and you're trying to knit it together it's pretty loose so any arrows that come in which I, I relate to as self-doubt they get through the armor and they pierce you and it hurts but the more sessions you do, every single session you do and you take you, you take the learning out of each session it just knits that armor closer and closer and it becomes denser and denser and you get to the point where you know you're wearing this suit that doesn't allow you to have that self-doubt
1: we hope you enjoyed our episode on self-doubt and found one or two things that you can bring to your own dinner table locker room or boardroom table for discussion the key lessons i have taken away on the topic of self-doubt from our interview guests are self-doubt is a good thing if it propels you to be curious and look for new ways of doing things. And dealing with the self-doubt of your team will be one of the key things that you will need to do as the head coach. Don't dismiss people's doubt. Acknowledge it and explore it with the individual. To help people deal with self-doubt, you can reframe their language into more positive phrases, explore the language they use to express their self-doubt and respond in a positive way remind them of the context surrounding their performance and where they are on their journey towards their goal, review previous successes, visualise future performances or use action to help quieten their negative voice and move them forward. It's also possible to preempt the onset of self-doubt through specific rituals or routines, to plan ahead for moments that might trigger doubt and to put in the work to help you create a suit of armour to protect you against self-doubt. Derailing your performance. Here at the Great Coaches Podcast, we are always trying to reflect and learn, so please let us know if you have any feedback. Just like Crinners, who said, was a great listen, no other podcasts like it. Looking forward to the next episodes. Thanks, Krinners. The interaction with the people around the world who listen gives us great energy, and so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.